0: I bring to you grace and peace from God our Father, through our Lord and our Savior Jesus. The text for today is taken from Nehemiah, and as we come to this word, let's bow our hearts and our heads in prayer. Gracious God, you are good, and for that we give you thanks. You've done great things for us, not the least of which is creating our body and soul and putting us in life here on earth. But we thank you for more than that. Because we know that after you created us, O God, you are a God who shepherds and tends us and leads us to follow Jesus with all our hearts. Help this sermon and this day of worship be means toward that end of following Jesus with all our hearts. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. There will be plenty of opportunity to pick on my mother-in-law when she is here staying with Renee and I for three months beginning in January. That will happen. However, I must commend her for one thing that she has introduced into my life, and that is her gravy. Let me just ask, by way of a uh, question here, just to kind of bring us all together, favorite parts of Thanksgiving dinner. How many of you are just the, the best part of Thanksgiving dinner is the turkey well-cooked, not overdone? How many of you are turkey people primarily? How many of you are mashed potato people? It's like, just give me starch and let me die. How many uh, are dressing/-stuffing people? Let me ask this question. How many of you call it stuffing? How many of you call it dressing? How many of you actually stuff the stuffing in the turkey and risk getting salmonella and say, you know what, if Jesus wants to bring me home, fine, bring me home. There you go. Yeah, yeah, be proud, be proud. What about the pumpkin pie? Forget turkey, forget the dinner, just give me the pumpkin pie and the ready whip in my mouth. Right? Okay, sermon's over, let's go. Just just leave. You're not even going to listen anymore. You're in, you're in land of delusions right now just dreaming about it. I am too. My mother-in-law, when we first got married, uh, I had the Seidler family gravy and I fought with all my heart to retain the Seidler family gravy. And then I finally just decided, wow, this really is good. You know, because gravy is, for me, that's the best part of, of Thanksgiving dinner because with gravy, gravy covers over a multitude of culinary sins. I believe I read that in Scripture somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where. Um, but anyways, it just, you know, if the turkey's too dry, gravy. Mashed potatoes too lumpy, gravy. Stuffing, why not? Gravy. Green bean casserole, did I say green bean casserole? Needs more gravy. Gravy. I mean, make mega gravy. Have a stew. It's fine. It's fine. Gravy is what brings it all together. My poor father-in-law has to have an Advil before uh, we get to the dinner table because he has to stir the gravy so it's not lumpy. His shoulder, his rotator cuff has been repaired 17 times. Can you believe that? Isn't that just amazing? And his elbow, I mean, it's like misshapen. I mean, he has to eat with his inside elbow. I'm making this up half the time. But, you know, he just stirs it and stirs it. And then when we get to Thanksgiving dinner table, and I have confessed this, I have actually commended my mother-in-law face-to-face. I've said, Mother-in-law, your gravy is the best gravy in the land. It is a revelation. It is an epiphany. It is a spiritual experience. God's grace for us is like gravy, um, just to extend the metaphor a little bit. And today we gather under this grace, um, which, like gravy, applies to this side of the congregation and this side, um, to lives that are older, lives that are younger. God's, gravy, God's grace, like gravy, slathers over his whole people, his church. It's been this way throughout the history of God's people. And when God's people have understood and recognized that his grace has been slathered over them, they stop where they are at, they pause their life, and they recognize, typically with physical objects, that God himself has been present. In the Old Testament, sometimes these days of consecration were, were significant, but you know what they were marked with? They were marked with a pile of rocks. Like when you go to Sedona and you're going up some of the uh, mountains and trails in Sedona and you see along the way that someone stacked up a pile of rocks because in that moment, in some way, God was working in their heart to remind them there is something more out there. And for that reason, as we climb and do trails and whatnot, sometimes we'll just put rocks in a certain order and and it's an act of consecration. Uh, God's people have gotten used to this. In in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra, after the temple that God had built with Solomon had been torn down, um, Nehemiah came and said, "Let's, let's make another go of it. Let's build another house for God. And as they built another house for God, Nehemiah said, let's consecrate ourselves this day. No longer being filled with mourning and despair over what was. Let's anticipate the rebuilding of God's temple, God's house. Let's recognize that God is still present with his people. And let's consecrate ourselves for the building ahead. And then, once the building was finished, Ezra, the priest, drew everybody together again and they consecrated that temple. They consecrated themselves as God's people and said, We will walk with God and God will be our leader. Days of consecration are important. And if you're like me, it is far too easy. We get caught up and we just you know, ride our days as fast as we can muster. And we go from appointment to appointment. We go from doctor visit to grocery store. We go from phone call to letter to phone call to television. And we lose day after day after day. And God's people, God's people are called slow down. Take a breath. Consecrate yourselves. Sometimes that consecration, as I reminded little Jordan in our uh, uh, 8 o'clock children's message, sometimes that consecration will be by a parent taking a picture, putting it up on Facebook. So that in current Facebook usage, you can see where you were 10 years ago. Because you consecrated that day with a post, a publication. And you're remembering, that's one of the great things that I love about my Facebook newsfeed is when I get reminders, here's where you were seven years ago. Here's what you were doing. And uh, it reminds me, ah, I, I put that up because I was so in love with my family. I was so in love with that moment. I didn't want to forget it. And I wanted to share it and broadcast it to others. We fly through life consecration stops us in our tracks and says, remember the God who brought you to the dance in the first place. Remember the gravy of his grace that makes the many, many different experiences of life worth remembering and living and surviving All because we know there is a God over and above us who cares for us, takes notice of us, and when times get tough, he props us up and holds us. There was a day when Jesus, we know, went into a garden. And in that garden of Gethsemane, before he did the work of our salvation on the cross, he prayed to God. You may recall those words that he said, Lord, if it's your will, take this cup from me, but not my will. Say it with me. But yours be done. Yours be done. An act of consecration is not just recognizing what God has done, but also saying to God, "You continue to take the wheel." Uh, cue the Carrie Underwood song from several years ago, by the way. Right, Jesus, take the wheel lead me home, you've brought me thus far, now bring me the rest of the way. As we think about this as the final Sunday of the church year, having listened through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, the earthly ministry of his church through this long season of green generosity or or Pentecost, as we listen to all of that being narrated for us, we come to the end and we say, what better are we for this? We are better. That's true. But exactly how? That's the question for you today. What has changed? Why have you changed? And are you ready to acknowledge that as you build a pile of rocks so that other people see it and you give witness to what God has done in your life? That is what consecration is all about. Today, you have been given a uh, card, you maybe were sent this in the mail, um, or it's, it, it's in the pew racks in front of you there, you can grab one. And uh, these cards um, are, uh, are exercise, artificial though it is, very artificial exercise, but it's an opportunity to participate in an act of consecration. Over these past four weekends here at Shepherd, we've been going through the character of generosity. Those words up there on the screen, intentional, sacrificial, and joyful. That last word being the word that covers us today. We are filled with joy knowing what God has given and the opportunity that we have to give a portion of our lives, not just financially but in so many other ways as well, back to the Lord and back to his work of making an impact in this world. And as your pastor, uh, Pastor Alan and I are just interested in finding out where are you in your generosity journey? As we launched our way through the prophecy of Daniel and now we come to this generosity journey worship series, I just want to find out anecdotally um, uh, two or three sentences about what is changing in the way that you view your life as an act of generosity, And as you come forward today to receive communion, for you to bring these cards with you, and there are little uh, baskets inside uh, the pews that uh, we will uh, have available. And as you come forward, just to put these cards face down, you don't have to put your name, um, but just to put these as an act of consecration as you come to the altar. The goal is, I would love to find out how your generosity journey is changing in this new season of life here at Shepherd of the Desert. I'd like to be able to maybe share some of your words and insight with other members of our congregation so that they can be encouraged because that's what consecration is all about, not just us talking with God, but others seeing our consecration of our own lives and themselves being encouraged to do likewise. It doesn't have to be long, it doesn't have to be brilliant, it can have to. It, it can uh, pertain to how your generosity is becoming more intentional, more sacrificial, maybe more joyful. Um, but two or three sentences that just give a snapshot, a Facebook post, if you will, of where your generosity journey is today. Because God has got great things for us on our horizon. And more than that, as we come back after Thanksgiving, as we start again another Christian calendar with the season of Advent that leads us to Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, and beyond, the season of Advent is going to be some of the most important preaching that I will do in my life. Because we're going to talk about what it means at heart to follow Jesus if we as a congregation are to lead people to do just that. So of all the things I'd ask you to consecrate today is your commitment to regularly attending worship through the month of December. I guarantee you it will not disappoint. And with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, for the miracle and mystery of his sacrificial offering for us, his death on a cross for the sins of the world, our sins, my sins. We ask you, Heavenly Father, not just to forgive our sins, but to set us on the course of ministry that we would share that hope, that grace with others. Help us by our lives to slather that grace, that amazing grace, through the lives of our friends and family, those you've entrusted to our care. And on this day of consecration, take a portion of our life, O God, and use it for your greater glory and the benefit of humankind starting in our Scottsdale community. For this we ask in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Let's write.